Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Not too much, man. Not too much at all. I'm glad. I'm, I'm pretty happy about this show. I always love the artists that we pick yeah. to focus on, and this one has like two of my favorites. Maybe so this is be two, actually. This so is a good this will one. be a fun one. Yep. Well, together on the show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs they sampled from. So, Tub, what do we got today? We are listening to a song called Beep by one of the best-selling girl groups of all time, the Pussycat Dolls. So why don't we hop in the DeLorean and see what track was sampled to make this hit? Rewind! You made a fool of me the broken dreams got you Soul in there. Mm-hmm. Soul. Yes, sir. Here comes the drop. <laughs> All right, Tom. Please tell the good people what we're listening to. We're listening to the song Evil Woman by the Electric Light Orchestra. Now, Joe, I'm going to let you do the honors, okay? And, Thanks, and buddy. Tell us a little bit about ELL. Okay. Well, ELL was formed in Birmingham, England in 1970. Founding members were Jeff Lynne, Roy Wood, and Bev Bevan on drums. All three were previously part of a band called The Move that was popular in the 60s and early 70s. The Move, huh? The Move, yeah. I see, yeah. I see we're back to generic band names uh-huh. again. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, a name like that reminds me of the Van Morrison uh, early band name that he had. Them? Them. Them, yeah. yeah. And then also the Joe Cocker's band. Oh, Stuff. Stuff, yeah. right, right, right. It, it must have been a thing back in the day. Yeah, you know what? I When you started, I was a little worried that you were going <laughs> to actually demonstrate the move. Oh, so, you mean so, like bust the move? Okay, yeah. Young and C, that episode's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that episode for sure. Um, yeah. Well, much like my gyrations, the move was popular in England. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Your gyrations are popular. Uh, tr- trust in me. The, okay. Trust me. They had nine top twenty singles over a five year span, but oddly, did not see that success translate to popularity in the U.S. Well, let's take a listen to their third single. Flowers in the Rain, which reached number two on the charts and was also the first single ever played on BBC Radio 1, all the way back on September 30th, 1967. Love that date! It it was like a (laughs) pre-birthday present to you. (laughs) No doubt. Let's take a listen. I'm just sitting watching flowers in the rain. Lovely. It's lovely. It's like flowers in the rain. Flowers in the rain. So there's also a pretty crazy story associated with that Flowers in the Rain track. The band has never made a dime off of that song, even though it's estimated to have earned over $200,000. Yeah, that's... Speaking of Van Morrison, right? Right. Well, turns out when that single was released, the manager of the move, Tony Secunda, had a promotional cartoon postcard created that, for some bizarre reason, showed then-Prime Minister Harold Wilson naked and canoodling with his secretary, Marsha Williams. Bad decisions. That's bad. That's a bad this decision. This is bad. Like, this is ways to get fired 101. Right? right and like, here. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Nothing. That's not, that has nothing to do with flowers. 
No, we'll just yeah. leave it at that. Right, right. <laughs> we'll leave right. it at that. So let's just say that Mr. Wilson did not take kindly to that little stunt. He sued for libel, won, and had the court award all of the proceeds for the song to a charity of his choice. Mm. Now, that's a ruling that's still in effect. Still in effect. Even though the band tried to get it overturned after Wilson's death in 95. Yeah, you know what the worst part is? I think the band had no idea that this was going on. They didn't know about the cartoon. They had nothing to do with the promo. So, yeah, you're right. Let's just say that Secunda was then fired as their manager. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and well, he should. <laughs> well deserved. Mm-hmm. So around this time is when the members of the move decided to form ELO. They had a vision where orchestral instruments would take the place of guitars in a rock band and brought that vision to life with their first single, 10538 Overture. This reached number nine on the UK charts. Let's take a listen. Just tons of overdub strings and... So ELO's debut album was released in December of 1971 in the UK and March of 72 in the US. Like many debut albums, it was eponymously titled, but that took an accidental turn for the worse. Well, yeah. I don't know if it was worse or better or different just for the U.S. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. It, but it, regardless, it's another crazy story, right? So the album was released with the title No Answer, no answer. in the U.S. Huh. So why, you ask? Well, I'm, I'm, yes. I, I'm so glad that you did. Apparently, a record exec from the U.S. label, United Artists, called to ask about the album name, didn't reach anyone, and wrote down... No answer in the notes. Come on. And so that became the title of the record. So yet again, we have now two examples of great ways to get fired. (laughs) Fantastic ways to get fired. You had one job. One job. (laughs) You call back, buddy. You call back. Whatever happened to that? Wow. Well, here's some other cool things. So ELO also had this and many of their subsequent album covers designed by the iconic design firm Hypnosis. And if you don't recognize that name, you certainly know their work. They created album covers for Pink Floyd, including the one for Dark Side of the Moon. Love that cover. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Uh, If you're bored one day, or even just because you should, spend a minute and go to the interwebs, look them up. It's some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So around that time, Roy Wood left ELO after their first short tour. As many in the press saw him as the primary creator of the band, they predicted ELO would fold without him. Mm, Yeah. Turns out that's not true. (laughs) We all found out just how creative and talented Jeff Lynn is as he became the songwriter and driving force for all things ELO. In 73, they released their second album, ELO 2. Apparently, they had an answer for this one. Right. Put a number two on it. (laughs) Right. Which featured a cover of Chuck Berry's Roll Over Beethoven that cleverly includes part of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. It reached number six in the UK, was the band's first single to chart in the US. Let's take a listen. The song's like eight minutes, and there's so much cool stuff happening in it. It was hard to pick a section to, you know. I believe it. Well, this is the reason why hip-hoppers love sampling them. Yeah. Because they've got so many changes. Yeah. You, you just, can't just predict you can get an album off of yeah. one song. Oh, exactly, for sure. Well, their third album, On the Third Day, had a couple of charting singles and one very odd album cover that features a photo by legendary photographer Richard Avedon. It seems like a simple enough cover, a photo of all the band members, Mm -hmm. 
Until you realize that they're all showing their belly buttons yeah. for some what? unknown Have you seen this cover? reason. It's so I'm wondering if this was like someone asked, like, are you guys uh, innies or outies? Right? And, it, <laughs> and they're just like, well, let like, me well, show you. Show you. <laughs> right. On the count of three, guys. One, two. And then somebody uh, took just, the picture. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Yeah. But anyway, I do think that the two singles you mentioned really start to show the genius of Jeff Lynne. First, let's take a listen to the song Showdown, which I think demonstrates his uncanny ability for writing a solid pop hook. Right? You just want to sing to it. That's nice. You know, so there's so many songs that I hear, like, by them that I didn't know was yeah. was them. Because right. they have a good... Such a big catalog. Really big catalog, and they approach songs differently. Mm -hmm. It's not predictable, per se, you know? Now let's listen to Ma 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 Bell, which is as solid a rocker as any Kiss or ACDC song. That's just some thick riffage right there. And then you throw in the strings, and it's just, it's cool. Yeah, it is. Their fourth album, El Dorado, was released in 1974, went gold, and contains their first top 10 U.S. single. Let's hear the softer side of ELO with Can't Get It Out of My Head. It's funny, because this is one of their few that I'm just not a fan of. Not a fan? I know this chorus, though. And again, it's another song I didn't know that they did. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And now we get to what many consider ELO's breakthrough album, 1975's Face the Music. It contains our first featured track, Evil Woman, which Jeff Lynne says is the quickest song he ever wrote. They needed a filler track for the album, so we cranked this one out in about a half an hour. What? Okay, so, I mean... This uh, is his filler? Yeah, this is filler. (laughs) Exactly. Let's take a listen. But you know what? Songs are really easy to write, though, if you have the proper, like, incentive, if you're properly incentivized. <laughs> like finishing an album? Well, that, or, or I want to know who this evil woman <laughs> it's is. True. It's a true story. <laughs> Sometimes the best ideas are the ones that we don't overthink. Evil Woman charted in the top 10 in multiple countries and was also sampled by a duo that I could argue is a direct descendant of ELO, Daft Punk. Let's hear how they used Evil Woman for their 2001 track, Face to Face. Slice it up, just that little riff from the chorus. It's pretty cool. I'm happy because this is the first time I've danced this episode. Oh. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. The move. There's the move. <laughs> so the other hit from Face the Music was the song Strange Magic. And the instrumental opener to is that. Is that what they call that move when you do it, Tobe? Strange Magic. Strange Magic. <laughs> Strange and beautiful magic. <laughs> oh, I don't know boy. what you're talking about. Okay, so the instrumental opener to the album, Fire on High, was even used as the opening theme for CBS Sports in the mid-70s. Let's hear that. I love this track. This is one of those, like, summer driving tunes where you just crank it and like you're on your way to a softball game or something just to get you pumped. Great drums, too. Yeah. 
So this was sampled again, right? I know somebody did this. Yeah, there's a guy by the name of Joe Budden. Joe Budden! Yeah, he decided to sample it for his 2007 track, Fifth Gear. So let's take a listen to how he used it. Mic check, mic check. Knew I heard that before. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect open. It is. It's perfect under so much stuff. And the, the acoustic, we didn't hear the acoustic guitar stuff going on in the original, but it's just so clean and pretty. And mm-hmm. yeah, you could make a whole album with that song. This dude can write. Mm-hmm. Fantastic pen. ELO's next album, A New World Record, went platinum in 1976 and contains the hits Living Thing, Telephone Line, and Do Ya. So Do Ya was originally a song written by Lynn for the move, and the band decided to re-record it for the album. Yeah, the band had actually been playing it live on tour at the time, and a reporter comes up and says, Hey, how do you feel about that original version by Todd Rundgren? who had also been performing it with his band, Utopia, right? And they were like, uh, hold please. Right. Didn't sit so well, so they decided to record it. Why don't we give a listen to Do Ya? There it is. I know the song, too. Okay. So while a new world record went platinum, the band started to set world records with their next release, the double album, Out of the Blue. It contains the hits Turn to Stone, Sweet Talking Woman, and Mr. Blue Sky. Now, before we say anything more, I do want to just, you know, make note of the uh, evolution. Okay. Okay, we went from Evil Woman mm-hmm. to Sweet Talking Woman. Sure. Okay. It Was it the same woman? Well, you notice in between there, somebody turned to stone. So <laughs> Thank you. It might have been Medusa involved. Hey, who I'm knows? Sure. Who knows? Or maybe we're biblical. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. It's a salt. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, speaking of, Sweet Talking Woman is actually one of my all-time favorite pop choruses. So can we listen to that one, please? For sure. Okay, and they see now I'm dancing. Mm-hmm. Hold on. That's all right. That's all right. So, Mr. Blue Sky was sampled by an artist we talked about in a recent episode, Comment. Let's hear how he used it for his 2011 track, Blue Sky. This. Yep, not mad at that. It's cool. It's a, yeah, it's a nice little slicing there. I mean, ELO's been sampled, I think, over, what, 180 times or something, so... Just that song itself? Uh, no, just, I mean, in ELO. general, I think, as an artist. Including this one from Will I Am, who sampled them uh, their song, It's Over, for his 2007 song, Over. Mm-hmm. So, let's hear that. It's, it's another cool jam. Mm-hmm. It's over. The original's a pretty, pretty slick track. <laughs> so it was an easy one to kind of lift. Right. Well, that's a nice jam. So we mentioned world records. ELO went on tour to support the Out of Blue release, and they dubbed the tour The Big Night. 
And that was not an overstatement. The tour was the highest grossing tour of all time to that point in 1978 and included 62,000 attendees here in our hometown at the old Cleveland Stadium. It wasn't even Dollar Beer Night. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. So the band also sought out eight nights at Wembley Arena, another record. That's crazy. Well, they would reach the peak of their success in 1979 with the multi-platinum selling album Discovery. This album has a bit of a disco influence that was, you know, was kind of big at the time. And you can hear that a little bit on their hit, Shine a Little Love. Let's give it a listen. If you didn't know, you could be like, oh, this is the Bee Gees. Right. I haven't heard this one before. Still got that rock flavor, though. It does. ELO was enormously successful with 27 top 40 hits in the UK, 15 top 20 hits in the US. But through all of that, they still managed to set another record. ELO has the most top 40 hits without ever having a number one. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Well, they disbanded by the mid-80s, but that didn't mean that Jeff Lynne was taking any time off. He began writing and producing for other artists and... He finally got that number one hit he was looking for, though perhaps in an unlikely location. We'll revisit that a little bit later, but for now, let's get into our second featured artist. You tell me a little bit more about the Pussycat Dolls. Absolutely. The Pussycat Dolls is a group that was formed back in Los Angeles by a choreographer, Robin Anton, in 1995. Originally, the Dolls were a burlesque troupe that would sing music standards from the 50s and 60s while dressed in lingerie. Well, if you think that sounds like a racy act... You are correct. Right. (laughs) And the perfect place for such an act would have to be the city of sin, Las Vegas. The Dolls established a residency in the Viper Room and performed there from 1995 to 2001. Over the years, the group became pretty popular and were actually featured in magazines like Maxim, as well as in scenes from movies like Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle. Their performance on TV specials on MTV and VH1 also worked to really increase public interest in the group. Well, the Dolls have had several lineups over the years, including an actress that was made famous for a sitcom that used the following as its theme song. Love and marriage. This blew me away. Yeah, I actually read that she was one of the founding members. It blew me away. I had no idea. But it makes sense. She is very talented. For sure. I just did did not know that. Right. Oh, my God. So... The song you're listening to right now is uh, Love and Marriage by Old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. This track was used as a theme song for the hit sitcom Married with Children. That's right. Christina Applegate was one of the original Pussycat Dolls. Wait, during... wait, wait. Christina Applegate? You got to put, put me, me on. on. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> How could I knew pass you that were up? I'm do sorry. That. Oh, so she was one of the original Pussycat Dolls during the 90s. She wasn't the only well-known lady to be part of the group. Instead of just listing the other members, I want to play, you know, a song by each of them and see if you can guess who they are. Ooh, a guessing game. Mm -hmm. All right, sign me up. Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with this. As a hint, this singer and dancer was married to an NBA star for all of six months before getting a divorce. Ooh, that could be a lot of people. Eric, can you play the track, please? Are you really making me listen to this? <laughs> Did they get divorced because she can't spell? Mm. <laughs> what the uh, name of the track is, is, is that Carmen Electra? 
Ding, ding, ding. That is correct, sir. Great guess. Carmen Electra and her single, Work, released in 2014. Okay, here's another. No hint this time. I think her voice kind of says it all. Okay. Okay. Eric, can you play this one? Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it, girl. Mm-hmm. She's diva in the making. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's official now. Yeah. That is the real ex-Tina, so, yeah, official diva. You are right again, sir. That was Christina Aguilera's single, Your Body, off of her 2012 album, Lotus. Several other known acts like Pink, Gwen Stefani, Britney Spears, all performed with the Dolls at one time or another. Then someone had the idea of having these ladies take their talents to pop stages instead of Vegas stages. Well, that seems like a really good idea. That someone was Interscope producer Jimmy Iovine. Robin Anton scrapped all of the ladies in the group and decided to cast different girls moving forward. The final roster consisted of Nicole Scherzinger on lead vocals and backed by Carmeet Bashar, Ashley Roberts, Jessica Suda, Melody Thornton, and Kim Wyatt. The Dolls got their first chance to be heard by the world at large on the Shall We Dance soundtrack back in 2004 with a remake of a song called Sway. Sway was made famous by Rat Pack member Dean Martin. Let's give that a listen. I see my move working out, Toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you. Yes, way, baby. So this is definitely one of my favorite songs from yesteryear. Now, I love what the Dolls did with it, but there's no way we can pass up on the opportunity to hear the King of Cools version. Let's hear some Dean Martin. When we dance, you have a way with me. Stay with me. Sway with me. This dude was just smooth. Yeah, you think? Seriously. Right. You put all the four of the Rat Pack together. I mean, that... Say goodnight. Come on. Yep. That was a thing. It was a thing. Well, the Dolls signed a record deal in 2003 and released their debut single, Doncha in April of 2005. This track was produced by CeeLo Green, and guess what? It was a hit. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Don't you wish your girlfriend was... There's that going back to Cali drum, right? Mm-hmm. I can hear that. Right here, I think. There it is. <laughs> like, this is a question. Like, do you really want me to answer that question? I'm not answering this question. The answering this would just get me in trouble. No, I'm not answering this question. <laughs> There's no right answer There's to this no question. There's no right answer, right? Either I'm rude or I'm rude, yeah, right? I think we matter. should just move on, Toby. I think this is, we're going to get into trouble. All right, don't ya? Reach number two on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Dance Club song chart. Pussycat Dolls released their debut album entitled PCD in September of 2005, and it sold 9 million copies worldwide. The second single that was released was a song called Stick With You. It reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100 and was number one in the UK and New Zealand. Let's take a listen to that. I think Carmen Electra must have done the spelling for him on this one. like this song. So it brings back a lot of memories, man. I remember thinking that it was a nice change from the first single and showed like a softer side of the group. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, and you're clearly not alone. The song was nominated for the Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. The third single, a track called Beep, was produced by Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. The song peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 and is our second featured track. So let's take another listen to Beep and see how they used those strings from Evil Woman. Yeah, any hip-hop producer is always hungry to find open strings that that can be used, and the ELO is definitely good for that, They were the masters. Makes sense. So the fourth single is one of my personal favorites. Let's take a listen to Buttons. This video was great. Fantastic. They did a really good job. Mixed between, I mean, they can sing. Yeah. And they can dance. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a perfect marriage right there. It's good. I'm going to play the fifth on this one. <laughs> so this group seemed destined from the beginning for success with all the well-known producers and a very established image. They went from gracing stages in Vegas to being one of the best-selling girl groups of all time. Well, I knew they were popular, but I didn't realize that they were, like, that Popular? Yeah, believe it or not, Pussycat Dolls are in the top five of best-selling girl groups top of five? all time. Seriously? Top five. Wow. You know, and, and that happened with just two albums. Right? Right? So the list goes like this. Spice Girls at number one. Okay. TLC at number two. Sure. Destiny's Child at number three. Yes. And a Japanese group called AKB48. Well, they've got four. like 130 members in that I mean, group. They, they, so they, do they? They, they do, really. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. My God. All right. Well, it looks like their success is not going to change anytime soon. The Dolls released a new single in February of 2020, and it immediately charted in the top 10 in multiple countries. Let's take a listen to the song, React. Every time I leave, you pull me close. I dig this tune. I hang up the phone, you call me back. You know, it's interesting that they call the track React because they got a very crazy reaction once they performed this live. Yeah. A lot of complaints. Why? Uh, thought it was a little too much. I mean, performance was a little too much, but it's, you knew what you were like, getting. Right? I mean, this is what they've been their <laughs> whole career. You kind of knew what you were getting. Right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from the Pussycat Dolls in the future, but I do want to get back to what you mentioned earlier about Jeff Lynne and his first number one hit. I think between that and the Pussycat Dolls, we've had enough teasing of this episode. <laughs> Let's dig a little deep into the bonus material. All right. Do you remember the movie Xanadu? So is that the 1980 flick with Olivia Newton-John? Uh-huh. Yeah, I never saw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guess what, Tobe? Nobody else ever saw it either. <laughs> I'm not alone. You are not alone. I'm not alone. It was critically <laughs> panned. It was a box office flop. But somehow, someway, the soundtrack was still a huge hit. Jeff Lynne and Olivia Newton-John co-wrote the title track, Xanadu, which hit number one. Number one. There's it is. His number one hit right. in the UK. Got to number eight in the US. So we have to hear Xanadu. I mean, after all the tunes he's written, this is the one? This is the one. Uh, definitely not the way he saw it in his head. <laughs> I hope not. Wow. Okay. 
So <laughs> moving on. Right. So Jeff Lynn was also working with many other artists, writing and producing. None other than ex-Beatle George Harrison approached him to co-produce Harrison's 1987 solo album, Cloud Nine. That included a cover of the Rudy Clark song, Got My Mind Set on You, which went to number one and was the last number one hit for any Beatle. I got my mind set oh, wow. Remember this one? Oh, yeah, of course. It was like all the time this was on the radio. I, what's his name? Weird Al made, mm. he has a song that uses, this song is just six words long or something like that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I've heard which, that more which, times. <laughs> That's awesome. This uh, marked one of the few occasions where a current inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because the Beatles were inducted in 1988, also had a number one song on the charts. Harrison was also responsible for putting together a little supergroup that included Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, Tom Petty, and Bob Dylan. As you might imagine, these guys made some hits, including a song called End of the Line. Let's hear that. Well, it's all right, even if to say you're wrong. Well, it's all right, sometimes you gotta be strong. And I think right around this time is when uh, Roy Orbison passed. And so they kind of dedicated this song to him, which oh, I thought nice. was pretty cool. That is nice. Well, when Tom Petty wanted to make a solo record without his band, The Heartbreakers, he tapped Jeff Lynn to co-write and produce the album. The result, Full Moon Fever, became one of Petty's biggest selling albums and features the hits I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, and this one. I can just see Jerry Maguire in his car right now, right? <laughs> you can see it. Jerry Maguire searching through the through the radio, trying to find the song that captured his feeling. Yeah. Can Way I tell to you go, something, Tom? Way to go. Huh. I've never seen Jerry Maguire. <sighs> I know. I think you've told me that before, but it never ceases to amaze me. Right. I, I just announced it for the world too. This is gonna be a, You're gonna get gonna be a problem. You're gonna get killed. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently Paul McCartney liked the work that Lynn had done with George Harrison because he got Lynn to produce his 1997 album, Flaming Pie. Okay, so we went from, I, I really, I got to throw a flag on this Sure. One. That's a horrible name. It's a horrible name. You're horrible Paul McCartney. Name. You can do better than Stop Flaming it. Pie. You can hear some of that ELO influence on songs like Young Boy. Let's take a listen to that. Yeah, even the way they did the vocals on this, you kind of mm-hmm. can tell. I like that. There's not a lot of groups that do that now, that have that, that use those vocal effects. Right. When done right, I like it. That's the key, right? Yeah. When done right. Well, Tobe, sadly, we are no longer young boys. <laughs> and I think that's all the time we have. So We're not young anything. <laughs> we're not young anything. There's nothing young on this body. That's a true story. Can you tell the listeners what we covered, please? Uh, well, our first feature track was Evil Woman by Electric Light Orchestra, and our second feature track was Beep by the Pussycat Dolls. Our bonus material covers some of the successful songs Jeff Lynne has been a part of as a writer and producer. And so, what do we have lined up for our next episode? We are probably going to want to be starting something, oh. like lawsuits Ooh. or dancing. Wow. Like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> really open-ended. Okay, well, whatever happens, please don't stop the music. Mm-hmm. Well, until then, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Huzzah. Keep listening. Mm-hmm.
Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Isabel Robertson. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.